Praise the Lord. We welcome you. Isn't he a way maker? Hallelujah. Miracle worker. I tell you today, I'm so glad to be in the house of God. Are you glad you're in the house of God today? Turn to someone and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. And I actually do believe that this morning. I say it every time we come together uh, because I believe the Lord calls us together to come to worship and to give God praise. So we welcome all of you here today. We welcome all of those that are online and so many people that are watching. And uh, we're just glad that you're here and you've come to the house of God. We're on a new series. Are you ready for it? Hallelujah. And uh, we started it uh, last week and on the comeback. How many are ready for a comeback? I believe all of us at some point in our lives are ready for a comeback. And before I forget, uh, I don't want to forget that this Wednesday, we're going to have a special guest speaker. Uh, We have uh, Pastor Victor Danridge is going to be with us Wednesday night. He's going to rock the house. If you've never heard Victor Danridge, he is the preaching machine. And uh, God just anointed him. You're going to be blessed. Come Wednesday night. Wednesday night, man, we have a celebration. We had an awesome time last Wednesday. And we're looking forward to this Wednesday night with Victor Danridge. I believe you're going to be blessed. Uh, He's our first, well, I shouldn't say our first guest speaker, but kind of our first preaching guest speaker, so to speak, and uh, that we've had since all of this has started. But I just felt like, you know what? We're going to have Victor Danridge this Wednesday, and uh, you, you, you come, invite someone, and uh, I believe you'll be blessed. Also, I'm, uh, I'm impressed uh, by so many men that are here as well. Not that I'm not impressed by the women, but I'm impressed that uh, I know that NFL started, and you decided to come to the house of God first. Hallelujah. That's always the challenge. I know after NFL starts, we start losing some of the guys. And so uh, that's why you have DVR, guys. Just kind of put it on DVR and you can watch it. Uh, You know, my team as well. Well, I guess my team plays tomorrow, so I get to watch that game. But anyway, actually, I don't get to watch that game. We have a meeting. So anyway, um, I I believe... uh, uh, it's so good to see all of you here uh, together, and uh, you've, you've put a priority in the house of God. And so this morning, I'm going to minister uh, out of the book of Genesis, and uh, it's a famous story that all of us, in fact, it's one of my favorite stories and one of my favorite characters in the Bible Outside of Jesus Christ, this is one of my favorite characters in Scripture. And I love the story, and most of you are familiar with the story of a man by the name of Joseph. Now, I'm not talking about Joseph and Mary. I'm talking about Joseph in the book of Genesis, who is the son of Jacob. And in in this particular book of Genesis, there are 14 chapters that are dedicated to his life. So it tells you that he's an important character in the Bible. And we're going to go through his life and we're going to be able to see the comeback that Joseph had. Because I want you to know when you begin to read the story, you almost begin to sense that there is great defeat that's going to take place in his life. I mean, from Genesis 37 to Genesis chapter 50, it covers his whole life, and we're not going to be able to go through everything about his life, but I want to point out a number of things concerning Joseph and the amazing comeback that he had in his life. Because again, it looked like he was going to be defeated. It looked like, man, it was over. The nail was in the coffin. He was buried and wasn't coming back. 
And I, I'm reminded of, uh, of a broadcaster by the name of Chick Hearns. How many remember Chick Hearns from the Lakers? And when the game was over, one of the things that he would say, if you're not familiar with NBA, he would, it's in the refrigerator. Basically, the game's over. He said, it's in the refrigerator. The door's closed. The lights are out. The eggs are cooling. The butter's getting hard. And the jello is jiggling, he said. The outcome of the game is over. The game is on ice. Basically, it's over. It's done. And when you look at Joseph's life, you almost want to say that. In fact, you might have even said it in the beginning to say it's over, it's in the refrigerator, his life is done. And yet the Bible tells us Joseph makes an amazing comeback. And I've said this before, he goes from the pit to the, to the prison, and from the prison to the palace, and from the palace to the promise. And he becomes an amazing man, one of the second most powerful men in Egypt. But it didn't start that way. In fact, when you look at the story of Joseph, you see a number of uh, setbacks in his life. And somehow God orchestrates all the defeats and all the setbacks. And it falls into the plan of God. And this is why it should give us inspiration. It should inspire us as people of God this morning that our lives can seem like it's out of control. That, that it could seem like, man, it, nothing's going to come out of this. And yet, when you look at the life of Joseph, he ends up saving two nations. He saves the nation of Israel and he saves the nation of Egypt from famine and starvation. Basically, without this guy Joseph, there would be no Jewish nation because God uses the comeback in this guy's life. And when I look at people and I think about our own selves this morning, I can think about all of us. Maybe we've had a number of setbacks, and what's great about a setback this morning is the success that can come out of it. Can you say amen? And all of us have had some setbacks in our life. Maybe you've had some financial setbacks. Maybe you've had some relational setbacks. And maybe you've had some health setbacks. Maybe you've had a career setback. Maybe you've had some emotional setbacks. There are all kinds of setbacks that we've had, some defeats. And when we look in scripture over and over, we see men and women of God that have had setbacks in their life. But here's the thing. The reason why we get frustrated is because we can't see the big picture. And I'm here to tell you, God sees the bigger picture than we can. If you ever uh, ever work with a puzzle, I was working with a puzzle uh, with my granddaughter just uh, this past week. I missed them. I, I had my two granddaughters this whole past week, man. It's been fun. I've, I've been grandpa, man. It was just a lot of fun, having a great time. The great thing about grandkids, you can spoil them and then you can send them home, right? You don't, you don't have to worry about raising them. You just send them home. You give them everything that they want, you know? And so, uh, I, but you know, when you look at the one piece, it doesn't seem like it's uh, much, but when you put it in the overall picture, it fits in just perfectly. I'm here to tell you there are events and things that have happened in your life that you may not understand at the moment, but I'm here to tell you in God's plan, they fit perfectly. In fact, some of your setbacks are stepping stones to your success. They are stepping stones to greater places that God wants to take you. 
And so if we trust God in our setbacks, they become stepping stones to our success in God. And believe it or not, God uses open doors. He uses closed doors. Sometimes there are doors that close on you because God's got a better door open for you. And we wonder what happened here. It didn't work out because you don't see the bigger picture. And the greatest illustration we can see is in Joseph's life how God brings him from a defeat, several defeats, several setbacks, not just one, not just two, but several of them that God brings him back with a major comeback. So I'm going to pray this morning as we get into the word of God and as we get into this story. So Father, we thank you today that Lord God, that nothing is over, that God, you have the final word. And no matter what defeat, no matter what losses we may have had, even setbacks in our lives, God, you're going to turn them into great comebacks. So I pray this morning that God, the word would inspire, would challenge, God would speak in a today. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit as I declare your word today. And God, let the people hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So let me give you a little bit of background as we dive into the story and so that you can understand who this character is. Uh, basically, if you remember Abraham, God speaks to Abraham and tells him he's going to be a father of many nations, that basically the birthing of nations would come from Abraham. Abraham has his son, which is a miracle son because him and his wife weren't able to bear children. And they have a son by the name of Isaac. And Isaac is the promised child. And after he has Isaac, Isaac has a son by the name of Jacob that later his name is changed to Israel. Now, Jacob ends up having 12 sons, not two, three, 12. Okay. Not one, 12. Are you listening to 12 kids? But here's the thing. Talk about a blended family. Now, some of you may come from a blended family. Maybe uh, your mom got remarried or maybe uh, uh, you have a stepfather. Well, this guy, Jacob, marries four different women. And so there's 12 kids from four different moms. That's a major problem already. Am I right? You're dealing with the act. Try dealing with three X's, all right, and all of that. So they're all there. And so there's four uh, wives that he has. He's got 12 children, uh, 12 sons. He's got one daughter by the name of Dinah. And uh, all of them are, this is a super blended family. And so this is a recipe for confusion, am I right? But it's also a recipe for competition, because when you got these uh, bl- this blended family, they're going to compete as to who's better. And my mama's this, your mama's that, and uh, we're better than you are. You know what I'm talking about. And so uh, the second to the youngest, is, uh, his name is Joseph. And so he's number 11 uh, in the, the, uh, the number of uh, sons that there is. And uh, Joseph, uh, he, he's pretty smart. The Bible said that he's a dreamer. Not only that, he's very talented. We see that later on. But we also see that there's a a kind of dysfunction in the family because he is favored by his dad, Jacob. So it's one thing to always say, well, they favor uh, the the younger one or they favor this one. You know, all of us say that. Yeah, that's mom's favorite. Yeah, he, you know, that's dad's favorite. But this one, literally, Jacob 
kind of called it out like he's his favorite. I mean, he, he showed it. And so that makes, that makes the other sons kind of mad. It's a dysfunction in the family. And so uh, God begins to move in a miraculous way because God begins to give Joseph these dreams. And now the sons or the other brothers, they're not only angry and mad, uh, at the fact that Jacob favors him above everybody else, but the fact that that uh, now he has this dream and they're all going to bow down to him in the dream. Talk about making your brothers mad. So his first major setback, write this down, is the fact that he's ignored and mistreated by his brothers or by his siblings. Let's read Genesis chapters 37 and we get to read uh, what I just told you, kind of give you a, a verse of scripture here. Now, Joseph, or now Jacob loved Joseph. Okay, this is his dad, Jacob. He loved him. And more than all the other children. You see how that's pretty apparent there. And that's not a good thing. And the reason why he loved Joseph more than the other one, because uh, when he married Rachel in his older years, he favored his wife Rachel more than the other one. So there's all kinds of problems going on already. So one, that's why you should just marry one wife, right? That's what I'm telling you. And so one day, Jacob gave Joseph a special ornament robe. Now, a lot of us know it as a, 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 a robe of many colors or multicolor robe, but what they actually believe is that the robe was more an ornament type of robe, that they might have even put Jews on it in different colors and more of a bedazzled type of uh, robe. And so this is a special coat that the dad made for his son, but only one son. So you imagine all the sons are there and he goes, hey, hey Joseph, this, this is for you. I made it for you. And all the other brothers said, where's my coat? Where's my thing? Nothing. You get a piece of cloth. Anyway, so when Joseph's brothers saw that their father loved him more than he loved them, they hated Joseph. They hated him. And they would not even speak to him or acknowledge him. So can you imagine your own brothers? They hate you. They don't want to speak to you. And when Joseph told his 11 brothers about a great dream from God, what? They hated him even more so if you ever grew up in a home where there was competition where there was sibling rivalry uh, i'm telling you this is exactly what's happening in joseph's life now i grew up there were seven of us seven boys in my family there were seven of us and i was number six and so there was five others that could beat me up and i can only beat up one which was my younger brother the problem was when you beat up the smallest, you got the greatest beating because you couldn't beat the smallest brother. There's no one to beat up. I was always getting beat up and, and I was always chasing my brother. I could tell you stories of chasing my brothers for blocks, uh, trying to get them back. And, and then the guy that was above me, he was like the biggest, he was the tallest brother and the biggest brother. And so that guy was just constantly beating me up. He was two years older than me. To this day, one day I'm going to get him back. No, that's not true. Uh, all of these beatings, I mean... And literally, he would beat me up and be laughing, you know, because that's even more. You even get more mad because you're trying to reach him. and He's got his hand on your head like that. He's much bigger than me. Had his hand on my head laughing and cracking up. And you're just you're just raging mad. You're trying to swing and trying to get him. Anyway, those are I'm just pouring out my heart. I forgive him, though. Hallelujah. Anyway. 
And so maybe you were ignored. Maybe you were teased as the kid. Maybe uh, the other brothers, uh, uh, maybe you've had a tough childhood, though. Again, as, as tough as I'm describing to you, you know, with my brothers and all that, it, was, it wasn't a broken home. I didn't grow up in that kind of a home. But some of you probably grew up in a home where you actually hate it by your brothers uh, or, or your sisters or whoever it was in your family or they despised you. Uh, this is exactly what's going on in Jake, uh, in Joseph's life is they actually literally hate him. Uh, and maybe you grew up in a broken home where your parents didn't like you or one was uh, 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 on alcohol or could be uh, uh, on drugs. And so you felt the pain of a broken home or maybe you felt like the runt of the family where someone was always picking on you and you felt a lot of pain. Whatever setback you've had, a lot of us this morning, if we're honest, we grew up in a lot of brokenness. I find as a pastor, when I'm dealing with people as adults, I'm not really dealing with their brokenness as adults. I'm dealing with their broken up, brokenness as in their childhood. And really, it comes out later on. They, they don't trust anybody, buddy. They lash out at people. They don't have good relationships. And then when you go back and, and you follow the trail, it all goes back to their childhood. It could be that they were despised by their parents. It could be they were despised by relatives, by their own brothers and sisters. And, and so all of that hurt and all that conflict in their life is now you can begin to see it overflowing in their adult, adulthood. And you begin to see the pain that so you can imagine in Joseph's life all of this pain but have you ever thought about the fact that maybe God could use the pain in your life for something good have you ever thought that God really if you if you put your pain in God's hand that that no pain is wasted could it be that the pain that you're having right now or the pain that you've had that maybe God wants to use the pain that you have to minister to people that are around you right now because you can literally say, I know how you feel. Maybe it, it, maybe it will cause you to be more sensitive to people that are going through pain. It will cause you to be more, um, have more apathy or more, not apathy, but more empathy, I should say, for people. Uh, to, to love them and to care about them. Uh, because you know, maybe it could be a ministry because you know what it is to be mistreated. And so maybe this is what God was doing in Joseph's life. The second thing about Joseph's life is he was tossed into a pit of rejection. Now, all of us have experienced rejection, but have you ever been thrown in a pit of rejection? Because literally, this is what happens to Joseph. Joseph's relationship with his brothers are so bad, it goes from bad to worse. Look at what it says in Genesis 37, verse 18. It says, one day when Joseph's brothers were out in the field, they saw Joseph coming to them from a distance. And what did they do? They made plans to kill him. I mean, a lot of us, we've been hated by our brothers and sisters, but have they ever planned to kill you? They made a plan. I mean, it was, it, it, they're saying, okay, let's, he's coming. Let's find a way. We're going to kill him. And then, he, and then they go, here comes the dreamer. You know, they're teasing him. They exclaim, come on, let's kill him. Throw him into a deep pit. And then we can tell our father. See how the plan's already, they've been talking about, that a wild animal attacked him and ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his great dreams. Talk about a lot of hatred. Talk about rejection. Talk about 
people not caring about you. They're, they're going to, this is brutal. They're going to kill their young brother. They're, this is serious rejection. And then one of the older brothers by the name of Reuben speaks up in Genesis 37. Thank God he speaks up and Reuben says, uh, let's not kill him. Let's throw him into a pit in the wilderness uh, and th- that way we won't shed any blood. Now, when they said, when they, when he said that, they're thinking, yeah, we'll just leave him in the pit and, and let something else eat him up and we'll just leave him alone. But he said this, thank God for Reuben, planning to save Joseph and send him back to his father. So only, he only did that to save him, but they thought, oh yeah, we'll just leave him in the pit. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers, what? They stripped them of his favorite robe. Take that robe off of him. They're so mad. They tossed him into the pit, which was the dry well without any water in it. And the way the pit was, it was almost like what you see a, a, a bottle. It was a, it was a, a, a narrow neck with a, with a larger opening. And you really couldn't get up by yourself. You needed to get pulled out. That so there was no way that Joseph was going to be able to get out. So his entire family, all of his brothers, they, they're rejecting. This is a painful experience. They are rejecting him to the point where they want to kill him and they throw him into the pit and they're making plans of how they're going to get rid of him, what they're going to do. They finally say, well, throw him in a pit. We'll just let him die there in a pit there and just let him die of thirst. Maybe an animal will go in there. He'll die slowly in the desert and so this is the kind of rejection that Joseph is experiencing and maybe you've experienced where someone has rejected you or left you out to dry high and dry they just said you know what forget you I don't care about you go fend for yourself Maybe they took your resources. Maybe they took any, anything that uh, you were, they were trying to help you. They said, you know what? Forget you. Get out of here. This is rejection. And this happened to Joseph when he was 17 years old. That's a lot of rejection for being 17 years old. Someone, again, your, your, your family's against you. They've thrown you. They've ganged up on you. Uh, talk about stress. Talk about trauma. This is exactly what Joseph experienced. Talk about a setback. How do you come back from this? And the third thing, you can write this down. He sold out for money. He sold out. They sold him out for money. Look at what it says in Genesis 37, verse 26. They threw Joseph into the pit. The brothers sat down to eat dinner. So while they're, he's in the pit, they're eating dinner. So you could smell the food and you're in this pit. They, you're going to die. But then they saw a caravan of traders passing by that were headed to Egypt with camels loaded down with spices, balm, and myrrh. So this, the, the, these spices, this myrrh was a form of medicine. You remember this was the myrrh uh, that was given to Jesus at his birth. Maybe it's a symbol uh, of death. You're going to die one day. And so basically this is what's going to happen. And, and, and uh, the Bible says, uh, Judas or the, the brother said, hey, we won't gain anything if we just let our brother die in this pit. So why don't we make some money? We're going to make money off of you. Talk about human trafficking. We just heard about that last week. Or the week before, and we're all share in the in the murder cover up. So why don't we do this? Let's not kill him. Let's sell our brothers to these traitors. And the brothers thought this was a good idea. So they came up with this idea 
that were going to sell them off, but they just kind of took a majority vote thinking, hey, this is a good idea. Let's sell our brothers. Uh, uh, I know a lot of us this morning, we've been hated, but that, has your family ever sold you out for money? They sell them out for money. They said, you know what? And they sell them into human trafficking. They sell them into slavery. And let me just say this. Often, we often think, well, the majority is always right. Can I tell you, many times the majority is wrong. Can you say amen? Morality is not determined by the majority. Because lots of times, that's what we're hearing on the news. Well, this is, who said this wrong? You know, the, most of us don't think it's wrong. It, I don't care what the majority says. It's what the Bible says. God's the one that di- makes the dictation here. And at the, at the end, the brothers thought it was the good idea, but they were all wrong. They should have never sold their brother into slavery. And so the Bible said they sold him for 20 shekels. Now, now, why that is important, if you know anything about history, if you read the Bible, you'll find that the average slave was sold for 30 shekels. He was, he was sold for under the going rate. He was sold cheaply. This is how much they thought of him. They sold him for 20 shekels, not 30. They got a bargain price, and they left them there. And this is pretty callous. Let me just tell you, it's a pretty callous thing when people will sell you out for money. When people will sell you out for things and say, you know what? Or people will burn you. How many have ever been burned for money? Don't raise your hand. How many have ever made a, had a partner in business that sold you out for money? They took the money, and they ran. Maybe your boss sold you, sold you out. Maybe your manager sold you out for money. You know what? They, they took advantage of you. They made money and they didn't give you anything. People are selling people out for money. Governors are selling out their state for money. Oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. And so we got all of those things. They're selling people out, right? And so some people will walk out of their marriage in order to make more money. I've seen people divorce because they go, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to divorce because I'll, I'll get half. I don't need them. And they're selling them out. Their motive is wrong. And that's what they're doing. They're selling out their brother for money. And the consequences of this, it's painful in Joseph's life. Because not only did his brothers hate him, not only did they plan to kill him, but now they sold him in to slavery and he has no idea what the future is. The fourth thing, the fourth setback that Joseph has is he's losing his identity. Here's a young man, the son of Jacob, has a lot of promise in his life, but now he's sold into a foreign land and he's there. And basically his identity is erased. When you're a slave, they give you a new name. You got to live in a new place. You got a whole new identity. And everyone back home thinks he's dead. They've forgotten about him. They don't, he's lost his identity. He's lost his place in his family. They basically, uh, Joseph's life has been erased. And the Bible says in Genesis 37, then his brothers took Joseph's robe. They slaughtered a goat. They dipped the robe in blood. And then they took the robe back to their father and said, now we found this coat. Does it belong to your son? Of course they knew it belonged to his son. But they're asking like, does this belong to your son? They notice, you know, you know, you know, they didn't say, does this belong to your brother? They said, does this belong to your son? 
And Jacob recognized it and cried out, yes, yes, some wild animal must have killed Joseph and torn him in pieces. Then Jacob sobbed. He sobbed for a long time and everybody tried to comfort him. And he said, I grieve the loss until the day I die. You imagine the depression that came over Jacob's life. He said, I'm going to grieve the rest of my life. And so they had stolen his identity. They had stolen who he was. And now he's in this foreign land. And maybe some things have happened in your life that have stolen your identity. Maybe some things that have happened in your life that you say, man, I don't know who I am anymore. Maybe you've lost uh, uh, someone. Maybe you've experienced a divorce. You've lost your identity. I used to be a wife. I used to be this person's husband. Uh, all of these things. Uh, and, and you've lost your identity. You lost your identity as the mother. You've lost your identity as the husband, as the wife. Maybe you lost your identity as the manager with this whole pandemic. Maybe you've lost your identity as the business owner. Maybe you lost your position. It's your job. All these different things. You, you've lost your identity. And Joseph now is going to have to take on a brand new identity. The third thing or the, or, or the fifth thing that happened is he's forced to take a job he did not want. He is in forced slavery. Slavery was not a volunteer thing. They forced you to do it. And so now he's taking on a job that he was not uh, wanting. And again, we can go into this whole thing about even the pandemic. During this pandemic, people have to shift jobs, have to shift positions have to shift the way they're doing their job. Not doing your job the same way you were doing. You're thinking, man, this is humiliating. I can't believe, I, I got, I can't believe they put, in this, put me in that department now. I can't believe, I used to be doing this. I used to be doing that. And you can imagine what's going on in Joseph's life. He's a foreigner here, uh, and he's working for somebody else. He's not doing what he wants to do. He's owned by somebody. Could you imagine you're being owned by someone? You're a slave. And verse 39 says, meanwhile, in Egypt, the traders sold Joseph to be the slave of Potiphar, a man who was an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So now he's, uh, he's been sold to a man by the name of Potiphar. And Potiphar is the guy that's uh, one of the captains, or, or he's one of the guys that uh, uh, basically uh, uh, some type of captain or some type of position in Pharaoh's uh, uh, department or government there. And he's working for him, uh, and he's a slave for him there. He didn't sign up for this. You're doing a job you didn't sign up for. You're doing something that you didn't even want in your life, and you're wondering where God is at. You're wondering, man, how am I going to get away? It looks like pretty much this is going to be the end of his life. There's no way that Joseph is going to come back from all of this. There's no way that Joseph is going to make a comeback. And the sixth thing that he experiences is he get punished for something he didn't do. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in Joseph's life. How many can say Amen. I mean, a lot of us this morning, we can complain and we can whine and we can, you know, the minute this happens, the minute that happens, I'm not going to church no more. Oh, I'm mad at the church. I'm mad at this person. Oh, that person looked at me wrong. And we get mad. We get upset. We start whining. Am I right? And, and here's the thing about Joseph. He's never whining. He's never complaining. We don't see him bitter or mad at God. He's not upset at anyone. 
And I'll emphasize that in a little bit. But all of a sudden, he's there. He's working this job that he didn't choose. He's doing something he doesn't want. And then he's falsely accused of rape by the boss's wife. This woman, man, she had a lustful spirit. Let's read this. This is a dangerous woman. Run from a woman like this. Genesis chapter 39. I'm telling you, you don't want to be around this kind of woman. Here's what it says in verse number 18. Joseph was well built. I can relate to that. Here he's well built. In other words, the guy, he looked pretty physique. I don't know. Anyway, that's, I mean, that's what the Bible is saying. Joseph was well built and very handsome. I can relate to that. And after a while, his wife took notice. So here's the boss's wife. She sees this young man. He sees that he's, you know, pretty, uh, pretty well physique and he's handsome. And look at what the Bible says. This woman's evil. She began to lust for him. And she begged. Did you hear me? She's begging Joseph to come to bed. Could you imagine this woman coming after him day after day? But Joseph refused. That's the man of God right there. How could I do such an evil thing and sin against God and my master? Hallelujah. I've said this before, I'll tell you guys, I've never been approached by any woman in the church or anywhere else where someone's trying to make a pass at me. But if a woman ever made a pass at me at this church, I will sock you in your jaw. I won't be running from you. I'm I'm going to throw an elbow at you. I'm going to do whatever I can. You better not make a pass at me. I'm going to tell you that right now. And so... I think Joseph had done that, but he's a slave, so he couldn't do it. He goes, how could I do such an evil thing and sin against God and my master? And though she tempted Joseph, what? Day after day, this woman's running after him. This woman's trying to get him. He refused to go to bed with her and be alone with her. He said, I don't even want to be alone with you, woman. Man, if you're coming after me, who else have you been after? Man, I don't know what other disease I may pick up from you. Who knows what's going on with you? Hallelujah. But one day, when Joseph was working inside the house, none of the household servants were inside. So she set it up. She, she's looking for an opportunity. So Potiphar's wife came up behind him. Look at that. I mean, this woman's desperate. And grabbed Joseph by his tunic, demanding, sleep with me right now. Like right now. We're going to do it right now. But Joseph resisted. Wiggled his way out. Thank God. And he ran from this woman. When she saw that she still had the tunic in his hand. So he basically, you know, he's running, he's running naked, folks, right there. She just made up a story for her servant. I mean, this, this, is not, this is not a movie. This is Bible right here. Look at this Hebrew slave. He tried to assault me. She's been lying. She's a liar. Am I right? She's lying her teeth off now. Why is she lying? Because she's been scorned. Because this guy went away from her. She thought she can get what she wanted. But this man, he's a man of God. So he ran to the house, ran out, flee from useful lust. Flee from sin. Get away from there. Are you hearing me? So he ran out of the house, but he left his tunic there. And when her husband came home, she waited all day long for her husband to come home. She gave him the same old story. Now Potiphar, his boss, burned with anger when he heard his wife's accusation. And he arrested Joseph on the spot, dragged him off, and threw him in the king's prison. Now, this is just a side commentary. Most 
uh, captains like that, most people in that position would have had their servant executed at that moment. But could it be that Potiphar probably thought, I don't know, this guy has a lot of integrity. I love this woman, but she's been known to lie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put him in prison because I don't totally believe her story. Are you hearing me? Because I've been watching Joseph, and he's a man of integrity. Could be, okay? I'm just saying, could be. Now, he's done nothing wrong. He'd been, he'd been serving his master. He's been a man of integrity. And now he's thrown into prison. Talk about another setback. He now he went from the pit to slavery, and now he's in prison. It doesn't look like he's got any way out. It doesn't look like he's going to be able to get out of this situation. How in the world? And, and here's the thing. He didn't cause this. Other people caused it. And so when you want to talk about a comeback, a comeback versus people. When other people are trying to keep you down. When other people are trying to keep you behind and keep you from making a comeback. Basically, this is with Joseph. You want to know the title of this message, a comeback versus people. Because sometimes there's people trying to keep us down. There's people trying to hold us back. See, if you believe God, people will never hold you back, no matter what. People will never keep you down. Can you say amen? God always has the way for you to come back. And so Joseph, basically, he's there. He's, uh, he's been uh, held back by uh, this woman. He's in prison now. And then he gets put in prison. And here's the thing about being put in prison. Here's the last one I want to give you. Uh, he's in prison, but he's forgotten about in prison. And I'm going to tell you the story here. And then we're going to get right into the remedy. We're going to get right into the comeback. Because, again, I'm telling you all the downfalls. I'm telling you all the setbacks about Joseph. Because when he's in prison, the Bible says that, that he begins to shine. Even in prison, he's shining. He's working. He's got integrity. He's serving. The Bible says even the prison warden recognizes Joseph. He recognizes Joseph's integrity, and he finds favor in the warden's eye. And basically, Joseph is there. He's serving. He's doing everything that he can. He's working and he's laboring. And then uh, all of a sudden, as he's there uh, doing the best that he can, he has favor. These two guys that are sent from Pharaoh's uh, uh, palace, uh, it's the wine steward and the baker, they're put in prison where he's at. Pharaoh's mad at them. He's mad. It doesn't tell us why he's mad at them, but he, they're put in prison. And they both have a dream. And Joseph interprets the dream for them. And I want us, want us to pick up what he says here. Genesis chapter 40, verse 14. It says, Joseph said to the king's wine steward, when you are freed from prison, in other words, uh, here I've interpreted your dream, and you are restored to your position with Pharaoh, please show kindness to me. He said, and mention me to the king so I can get out of this prison. I was forcibly kidnapped from my homeland, and now I'm stuck in prison. And even though I've done nothing to deserve this, he said, but the wine steward never gave Joseph a second thought and forgot all about him. Can you imagine? You're doing everything right. We see nothing wrong in Joseph's life. And now he's thrown in prison, and the guy he helps forgets about him. Isn't it amazing? The very people you help always forget about that and forget about you. Can I tell you something? I can't tell you how many people I, I've helped, but the moment I do something that they don't like, I'll oh, forget you, Pastor. We'll go on where I go. What about all those other times that I helped you? 
Oh, that doesn't count. That's all he raised. Over this one thing, that's it. You know, you do something that you don't, they, they, they don't like or, or you make a decision they don't like and they just forget all about the other, not the other story, okay? So Joseph is left to rot in prison. He's forgotten by people that he helped. Here's where it really hurts, when you're forgotten by people that you've helped. But I believe this is what made Joseph so resilient. Can you say amen? And here's the thing that I want to kind of close in in the, last, in the ne- next five minutes. I got to rush really quick because I got too, too much into this. I should have probably did part two. But Joseph always depended on the presence of God. Write that down. No matter where he was, he always depended on the presence of God. How do we know that? Five times it's mentioned that the Lord was with Joseph. No matter what setback was going on in Joseph's life, when he was thrown into the pit, when he sold into slavery, when he was falsely accused, when he's in prison, the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph. That God was guiding him, that God was with him no matter what. In fact, the scripture says in Acts chapter 7 verse 9, Jacob's sons became jealous of their brother Joseph and they sold him into slavery. But the Lord was with Joseph and brought him safely through all the troubles. In other words, it didn't say he didn't have troubles. So many times we can think, well, God can take us out of the trouble. He can get us around the trouble. Many times God is with you in the trouble, but his presence is with you you're never alone hallelujah see walking with god is not going to be a thing where you're never going to never going to encounter trouble but your god's presence will be with you in the midst of that trouble and here with Joseph, God was with him no matter. And we don't see this guy complaining. We don't see this guy mad. We don't see him bitter. I can't tell you how many people that I, that I talk to in church, they're mad at God. They're bitter at God. They've gone through all these things in life. And they don't realize all through their thing, God's been with you. God's been helping you. Even, check this out, even Potiphar, the guy that owned him, recognized the hand of God on him. In Genesis 39, it says, Potiphar realized the Lord was with Joseph. Even a sinner realized God was with him. And that the Lord was making him successful in everything that he did. So here was a, a, a person that he didn't even know God. Recognized that God's hand was on Joseph. How much more? I got to skip through this. How much more should we rec- recognize that God is with us? Can you say Amen. I can have the worship team come up. Here's the, here's the second thing that I believe that helped Joseph in his restoration. He depended on God's plan and he depended on God's promise. Remember, God had given Joseph a dream. God had promised Joseph that, you know what, you're going to be somebody and he always depended, no matter what he was going through, and, and he didn't realize in order for him to get to Egypt, he had to go through all of these setbacks in order to make a great comeback. Can you say amen? See, we don't realize sometimes in order to be where we're at today, we had to go through what we, what we went through. Are you with me? I think I shared this not too long ago. Somebody asked me, Pastor, if you can change some things in your life, what would you change? If you're able to go back and change some things, decisions, ministry, all these things, what would you change? And I started looking back. I said, you know what? I don't know if I would change anything as painful as it's been. 
as trials, many trials, because I learned something from every pain. It made me a better person through that trial and through that battle. It gave me a different perspective. And had I not had that trial and that battle, maybe I wouldn't be thinking the way I think today. Could it be that what you've gone through and all the different things has made you and changed your perspective on things? And could it be today that, you know, the very things that you've gone through, God's given you a different attitude? Because we look at Joseph's life, and even now in the climax of everything that happens, if you know the story, his brothers come back and they need food, they're starving. And now Joseph's in second in command. He interprets the dream of Pharaoh. Now he's second command. His brothers are bowing before him. They don't recognize him. He, he has all the Egyptian garb on and the whole thing, you know, and, and they don't know who he is. And he's giving them orders. And they're, they're afraid when they find out it's their brother. But this is what Joseph said. I love what he said. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 19 through 20, you ought to write this scripture down, maybe memorize it. Joseph says this, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? In other words, didn't God put me in this place? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He said, basically, God... What you meant for evil, God turned it for good, for the saving of many lives. Could it be all that you've gone through, not just to save you, but through your life, you can save others, you can help others, you can minister to them. Maybe all the heartaches, maybe all the pain, maybe God's going to use all of that so that you can help somebody else out and have them make a comeback. Can you say amen? Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.